0: Have you guys heard of this? Well, you would have, right? So there's this technique of filmmaking. There's a story within a story within a story, right? The main subject is Maharaj Parikshit getting answers from the sages, right? But here they're telling, somebody else is telling the story of that incident. So it's one step removed. But it's telling the story of actually what happened. So this actually also shows disciplic succession. This has happened in the past at some time. And now you cut to the chase and you're in you know, present times and somebody's telling you the story. And now look at us. We are sitting eons uh, later and uh, thousands of years later. And again, we are hearing. So you're hearing this from me. Uh, I've read it. This is a narration of somebody who's told somebody else. So it's the disciplic succession, uh, succession, right? Guru Shishya Parampara. Chapter 7 is The Son of Drona, Punished. Rishi Sonaka asked, O Suta, the great and transcendently powerful Vyasadev heard everything from Sri Narad Muni. So after Narad's departure, what did Vyasadev do? Sri Suta said, On the western bank of the river Saraswati, which is intimately related with the Vedas, there is a cottage for meditation at Samprayasa which enlivens the transcendental activities of the sages. In that place, Sri Vyasadev, in his own ashram, which was surrounded by berry trees, sat down to meditate after touching water for purification. This is again an extremely important thing. You will hear this throughout the scriptures. He touched water for purification. They were in the forest. They were traveling. They may not have had the means to take a bath, and as a Brahman, you do three sandhya, three times a day—six o'clock, twelve o'clock, six o'clock—you chant your Gayatri mantra, right? Three sandhyam, three times at the phases of the sun, right? When the sun's just rising, just before the sun rises, when the sun is right up, and when twilight, when the sun's setting. Now you will hear that touch water. So if you Maybe you've seen your grandparents, I do it as well. There's something, I don't do it these days, but when you do deity worship, there's something known as achmani. So you've got a small copper pot of water, you put tulsi leaves in it. And before, even if you've taken a shower, whatever it is, you've taken that holy water and you add little gangajal in it. You take that water, put it in your hand three times and you chant the mantras to purify yourself. So here it's the same thing. You may not have a huge quantity. Quadru- it's actually your mood. No matter how much water you pour on yourself, you can never be cleansed if you're not in the right spirit and in the right mood. So he touched water for purification. Very important. Thus, he fixed his mind perfectly, engaging it by linking it in devotional service, Bhakti Yoga, without any tinge of materialism. And thus, he saw the absolute personality of Godhead along with his external energy, which was under full control. Due to this external energy, the living entity, although transcendental to the three modes of material nature, thinks of himself as a material product and thus undergoes the reactions of material miseries. You've identified with materialism. You've associated yourself with it. You will face the reactions associated with it. Plain and simple. You touch fire, you'll get burnt. You go too close, it'll be hot. You go too far, it'll be cold. Right? Right? The material miseries of the living entity which are superfluous to him can be directly mitigated by the linking process of devotional service. But the mass of people do not know this and therefore the learned Vyasadev compiled this Vedic literature which is in relation to the supreme truth. He is connecting you. The wires are broken. He is fusing the wires for you. Simply by giving oral reception Listen. Simply, by giving oral reception to this Vedic literature, the feeling for the loving devotional service to Lord Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, sprouts up at once to extinguish the fire of lamentation, illusion and fearfulness. Just by listening. You don't need to do anything. Because it's why? It's transcendental sound. It's not because the person speaking has got a good voice or he's saying it with the right pronunciation. It's transcendental sound, it's, it's, it's wired, it's impregnated with uh, devotional service anyway. O great sage Vyasadev, after compiling the Shrimad Bhagavatam and revising it, sorry, the great sage Vyasadev, after compiling the Shrimad Bhagavatam and revising it, taught it to his own son. And what was the revision? The revision was introducing the names, names, pastimes of the Lord taught it to his own son, Shri Sukadeva Goswami, who was already engaged in self-realization. Shri and asked Suta Goswami, Shri Sukadev Goswami was already on the path of self-realization and thus he was pleased with his own self. So why did he take the trouble to undergo, this, undergo the study of such a vast literature? Important question. He was already self-realized. He was already in the path. Why did he need to study this? Suta Goswami said, All different varieties of Atmaramas, those who take pleasure in the Atma or spirit self, especially those established on the path of self-realization, though freed from all kinds of material bondage, desire to render unalloyed devotional service unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This means that the Lord possesses transcendental qualities and therefore can attract everyone, including liberated souls." Srila Sukadev Goswami, son of Srila Vyasadev, was not only transcendently powerful, he was also very dear to the devotees of the Lord. Thus, he underwent the study of this great narration, Srimad Bhagavatam. Suta Goswami thus addressed the rishis headed by Shanaka. Now, I shall begin the transcendental narration of the Lord Sri Krishna, the topics of his birth, activities and deliverance of King Parikshit, the sage amongst kings, as well as topics of the renunciation of the worldly order by the sons of Pandu. This is just the foreword, it's just the background to what was going on. When the respective warriors of both camps, namely the Kauravas and Pandavas were killed on the battlefield of Kurukshetra and the dead warriors obtained their deserved destinations and when the son of Dhritarashtra, Fell down lamenting, his spine broken, being beaten by the club of Bhima the son of Dronacharya Ashvathama, beheaded the five sleeping sons of Draupadi and delivered the heads as a prize to his master, foolishly thinking that he would be pleased. Duryodhan, however, disproved of this heinous act and he was not pleased in the least. Duryodhan, Duryodhan was the arch enemy. But he was not happy. Draupadi, the mother of the five children of the Pandavas, after hearing the massacre of her sons, began to cry in distress with eyes full of tears. Trying to pacify her in her great loss, Arjuna spoke to her thus. O gentle lady, when I present you with the head of that Brahmana, after beheading him with arrows from my Gandiva bow, I shall then wipe the tears from your eyes and pacify you. Then, after burning your son's bodies, you can take your bath standing on his head. Vengeance. He is upset. A heinous act, a heinous act has been committed. And he is going to seek major retribution. Arjuna, who is guided by the infallible Lord as friend and driver, thus satisfied the dear lady by such statements. Then he dressed in armor and armed himself with furious weapons. And getting into his chariot, he set out to follow Ashwatthama, the son of his martial teacher, Dronacharya's son. Ashwatthama, the murderer of the princes, seeing from a great distance Arjuna coming at him with great speed, fled in his chariot, panic stricken just to save his life as Brahma fled in fear of Lord Shiva. When the son of the Brahmanas, Ashwatthama, saw that his horses were tired, He considered that there was no alternative for protection outside of using the ultimate weapon, the Brahma Astra, nuclear weapon. Now you need to understand this whole thing about Brahma Astra. There were some very powerful weapons. These were not material weapons as we know them. The Brahma Astra was summoned by mantra and it was stopped by mantra as well. So it was the power of the mind and the power of the mantra that generated these furious weapons, annihilating weapons. Since his life was in danger, look what he does. Look what he does. He touched water in sanctity and concentrated upon the chanting of the hymns for throwing nuclear weapons. Even though he is now at war, because he is summoning such a great force, he cannot be empowered till he purifies himself. He's got the skill, he's got the will, but he touches water again. Although he did not know how to withdraw such weapons, he had learnt only to hurl the weapon. He didn't know how to contain it or to withdraw it. Thereupon, a glaring light spread in all directions. It was so fierce that Arjuna thought his own life in danger. And so he began to address Lord Shri Krishna. Arjuna said, Oh my Lord Sri Krishna, you are the almighty personality of Godhead. There is no limit to your different energies. Therefore, only you are competent to instill fearlessness in the hearts of your devotees. Look at what Arjuna is asking Krishna. Is he going to him running and say, save me, save me, save me? No. Just give me fearlessness so I can counter this. Everyone in the flames of material miseries can find the path of liberation in you only. You are the original personality of Godhead who expands himself all over the creations and is transcendental to material energy. You have cast away the effects of the material energy by dint of your spiritual potency. You are always situated in eternal bliss and transcendental knowledge. And yet, though you are beyond the purview of material energy, you execute the four principles of liberation characterized by religion and so on for the ultimate good of the conditioned souls. Thus you descend in an incarnation to remove the burden of the world and to benefit your friends, especially those who are your exclusive devotees and are constantly wrapped in meditating upon you. There is a new concept introduced. Exclusivity. Thus you descend as an incarnation to remove the burden of the world and to benefit your friends, especially those who are your exclusive devotees and are constantly wrapped in meditation upon you. O Lord of Lords, how is it that this dangerous effulgence is spreading, spreading all around? Where does it come from? I do not understand it. The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, because that guy has fired the Brahmastra, right? The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, Know from me that this is the act of the son of Drona. Krishna knows everything. He has thrown the hymns of nuclear energy, Brahmastra. And he does not know how to retract the glare. He has helplessly done this, being afraid of imminent death. So in a way, it was a self-defense act, right? But he's committed a heinous crime. And now to escape, he's trying to use the most powerful weapon which he has no means to control. Oh, Arjuna... Only another Brahmastra can counter, counteract this weapon. Since you are expert in the military science, subdue this weapon's glare with the power of your own weapon. So he says, please give me water, Arjuna. He doesn't go crying to him. He said, what is happening? Please tell me, give me strength to do. So Krishna advises him as a guru. Sri Suta Goswami said, hearing this from the personality of Godhead, Arjuna touched water for purification again. And after circambulating Lord Shri Krishna, Parikrama, he cast his Brahmastra weapon to counteract the other one. When the rays of the true Brahmastras combined, a great circle of fire like the disc of the sun covered all outer space and the whole firmament of planets. All the population on the three worlds was scorched by the combination of the weapons. Everyone was reminded of the Sambhartaka fire which takes place at the time of annihilation. Every thought that, oh, Kaal Agya, time has come. It's the destruction that's happening. Thus, seeing the disturbance of the general populace and the imminent destruction of the planets, Arjuna at once retracted both the Brahmastra weapons as Lord Shri Krishna desired. So he counteracts the other one and he then collapses it because he knows how to retract it as well. So he's countered it and he's killed it. Arjuna, his eyes blazing in anger like two red balls of copper, dexterously arrested the son of Gautami and bound him with ropes like an animal. After binding Ashwatthama, Arjuna wanted to take him to the military camp. The personality of Godhead, Shri Krishna, looking on with his lotus eyes, spoke to Arjuna in an angry mood. Krishna is also upset. Lord Shri Krishna said, O Arjuna, You should not show mercy by releasing this relative of a brahmana, Brahmana Bandhu, for he has killed innocent boys in their sleep. What was the need? There used to be a code of conduct on the battlefield. They would stop fighting at sunset. They would actually hobnob with each other and have dinner together because their battle was on the battlefield. There was no need for them to make it personal. They had one point of view, somebody had another point of view and I have seen a lot of families do this who are in court conflicts. In court they'll fight each other tooth and nail, joint families. In the evening they will sit, there's some property dispute, in the evening they will sit and have a meal together and they will not talk about anything. I have actually seen this happen. This takes a lot lot of maturity and look at him. Lord Shri Krishna said to Arjun, "No, oh Arjun, you should not show mercy by releasing this relative of a Brahmana for he has killed innocent boys in their sleep. It was not right. The battle was, they were they were sleeping. It was night time. What was the need to go and do this? There was no need for this. That means they made it personal. You don't kill wives, you don't kill sons, you don't kill parents. You kill each other on the battlefield. A person who knows the principles of religion does not kill an enemy who is careless, intoxicated, insane asleep afraid or devoid of his chariot nor does he kill a boy a woman a foolish creature or a surrendered soul you can't kill a priest you can't kill a stupid person who doesn't know better you can't kill a boy you can't kill a woman you can't kill an old man a cruel and wretched person who maintains his existence at the cost of others lives deserves to be killed for his own well-being otherwise he will go down by his own action. So, actually, by killing him, he is liberating him. Furthermore, I have personally heard your promise. You, I have heard, personally heard you promise Draupadi that you will bring forth the head of the killer of her sons. This man is an assassin and a murderer of your own family members. Not only that, but he has also dissatisfied his master, Dronacharya's father. He is but the burnt remnants of his family. Kill him immediately. Look at Krishna's instruction. Do it. No mercy. Finish him off. He deserves it. Plain and simple. Suta Goswami said, although Krishna who was examining Arjuna in religion, encouraged Arjuna to kill the son of Dronacharya, Arjuna, a great soul, did not like the idea of killing him. Although Ashwatthama was a heinous murderer of Arjuna's family members. After reaching his own camp, Arjuna, along with his dear friend and charity, Sri Krishna, entrusted the murderer unto his dear wife, who was lamenting for her murdered sons. Sri Suta Goswami said, Draupadi then saw saw Asvatthama, who was bound with ropes like an animal and silent for having enacted the most inglorious murder. Due to her female nature and due to her being naturally good and well-behaved, she showed him due respects as a Brahmana. Look at this. Her kids have been killed. The murderer is standing in front of her still. She gives him respect as a Brahmana. She could not tolerate Ashtavatam being bound by ropes. It goes further. And being a devoted lady, she said, release him, release him, for he is a Brahmana, our spiritual master. Arjun and all were Kshatriyas. They were not Brahmanas. He was a Brahmana. So he says, He's a Brahmana, please release him. You cannot bind him by ropes like an animal. Just look at such elevated thought. It was by Dronacharya's mercy that you learned the military art of throwing arrows and the confidential, confidential art of controlling weapons. His father, he, Dronacharya, is certainly still existing, being represented by his son, his wife, Kripi did not undergo a sati with him because she had a son. Oh, most fortunate one who know the principles of religion, it is not good for you to cause grief to glorious family members who are always respectable and worshipful. My Lord, do not make the wife of Dronacharya cry like me. I am a grief for the death of my sons. She need not cry constantly like me. Uh, what? I mean, this thinking is Different level was Different level. If the kingly administrative order being unrestricted in sense control offends the Brahmana order and enrages them then the fire that rage burns up the whole body of the royal family and brings grief upon them. It's not the right thing that you are doing. Suta Goswami said O Brahmanas King Yudhishthir fully supported the statements of the queen which were in accordance with the principles of religion and were justified, glorious, full of mercy and equity and without duplicity. Nakula and Sahadev, the younger brothers of the king and also Satyaki, Arjuna, the personality of Godhead, Lord Shri Krishna, son of Devaki and the ladies and all others unanimously agreed with Yudhishthir. These are the elders, the wise people giving counsel. Draupadi was the most affected. And she said, no, don't, release him. You can't treat him like this. So Yudhishtari agreed and one by one, everybody fell into line. Bhima, however, angrily disagreed with them and recommended killing this culprit who had murdered sleeping children for no purpose and for neither his nor his master's interest. What would he gain by killing the kids? He was not reducing the warriors on the battlefield. There was no benefit in doing it. Chatur Bhuja, the 4 one or the personality of Godhead, after hearing the words of Bhima, Draupadi and others, saw the face of his dear friend Arjuna and began to speak as if smiling. Very condescending. The personality of Godhead, Shri Krishna said, a friend of a Brahmana is not to be killed. But if he is an aggressor, he must be killed. He is now putting all the pros, the cons. Listen to it. A friend of a Brahmana is not to be killed. But if he is an aggressor, he must be killed. All these rulings are in the scriptures and you should act accordingly. You have to fulfill your promise to your wife and you must also act to the satisfaction of Bhima Sena and me. He's saying, kill him. Despite all the counsel, despite Draupadi's mercy, don't make his mother cry like me no he's a brahmana but he's done something wrong you promised your wife and I have said it needs to be done and Bhima is also angry oh Suta Suta Goswami said just then Arjuna could understand the motive of the Lord by his equivocal orders and thus with his sword he severed both hair and jewel from the head of Ashwatthama jewel is the crown He, Ashwatthama, had already lost his bodily luster due to infanticide. Very often, you will see this. When people are very confident, they're doing the right thing, you'll see a glow on their face. When somebody in front of you is lying to you, the face changes, the color of the face changes. It's called pallor. The color becomes pallor. The eyes will twitch. And very often, this is a telltale sign of a person lying to you. They can't meet your gaze when they are talking to you. They are all over the place. Either they are hedging, they are humming, they are hawing, they will stammer. So these are telltale signs. So, Arjuna could understand the motive of the Lord by his equivocal orders and thus he kills him. Ashwatthama has, had already lost his bodily luster due to infanticide. And now, moreover, having lost the jewel from his head, he lost even more strength. He was unbound and driven out of the camp. Cutting the hair, oh sorry, he doesn't chop his head off. Cutting the hair from his head, depriving him of his wealth and driving him from his residence are the prescribed punishments for the relative of a Brahmana. There is no injunction of killing the body. So shaving the head of a Brahmana, making him completely bald, no shikha, no nothing, is worse than death. He's not a Brahmana anymore. So he's killed him, but he's not taken his life. So Arjuna understood what Krishna was saying. So Arjuna fulfills all the promises that he's made. Cutting the hair from his head, depriving of his wealth and driving him from his residence are the prescribed punishments for the relative of a Brahmana. There is no injunction for killing the body. Thereafter the sons of Pandu and Draupadi, overwhelmed with grief, perform the proper rituals for the dead bodies of their relatives, the kids. So this is the end of chapter 7.